What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Will Clemente is the lead insights analyst at Blockware. He has quickly become one of my favorite writers on all things Bitcoin, including deep dives on various on-chain analytics. In this conversation, we discuss the Bitcoin fundamentals, the on-chain metrics, what happened this past week, and what the on-chain data is telling us to be prepared for moving forward. I really hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Will, as I always do. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is AppSumo. AppSumo is the leading digital marketplace for entrepreneurs and a great way to get your product in front of one plus million entrepreneurs, founders, and small businesses. AppSumo is giving away their entire $1 million Black Friday marketing budget to creators. If you have an ebook, an online course, a template, or any other digital product, this is for you. You can list your product on AppSumo between September 15th and November 17th, and the first 400 offers to go live will receive $1,000. The next 2,000 to list a product and go live get $250, and everyone who lists gets entered to be one of the 10 lucky winners of $10,000. Go to AppSumo.com slash POMP to list your product today and cash in on this amazing deal. Again, AppSumo.com slash POMP or you can click on the link in the description as well, appsumo.com slash pomp. Next up is Gemini. They're a regulated cryptocurrency exchange wallet and custodian. Some might say they're actually an industry-leading regulated cryptocurrency exchange wallet and custodian that makes it simple and secure to buy, sell, store, and earn Bitcoin, Ether, and over 40 other cryptocurrencies. They offer an industry-leading security, insurance, and uptime. Gemini is the go-to trusted platform for beginner and sophisticated investors alike. You can open a free account in under three minutes at Gemini.com slash pump and get $20 of Bitcoin after you trade $100 or more within the first 30 days. Again, it takes three minutes when you go to Gemini.com slash pump and you'll get 20 US dollars of Bitcoin after you trade $100 or more within 30 days. Gemini.com slash pump. What are you waiting for? Let's go. Last but not least is OKCoin. If you haven't started to build your crypto portfolio on OKCoin, there's no better time. They're one of the fastest growing global exchanges around, and they have some promotions happening right now to help even more people start being a part of the future of finance. If you have an account already, you can split $100 in Bitcoin with a friend when you invite them to sign up for OKCoin. If they buy 100 bucks of crypto in the first month, you invite them, they buy $100 of crypto, you both split a free $100 from OKCoin. The more friends who sign up and buy, the more Bitcoin you get. And I always recommend dollar cost averaging as a way for investors to have more control over their average price when building their portfolio. Now you can automate dollar cost averaging with completely fee-free daily, weekly, or monthly recurring buys on OKCoin until November 1st. That's right, those automatic dollar cost averaging purchases are completely free of fees, whether you're doing it daily, weekly, or monthly until November 1st. That's no fees at all on your purchases until the holidays. Get started on the web or on their super easy to use app at okcoin.com slash pomp. Again, okcoin.com slash pomp. All right, let's get this episode with Will. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Let's jump into uh, on-chain metrics. What do you got for us this week? Sure. So this week I actually had... uh 
our good friend uh, Nick Batia featured. So it's, it's a little shorter than usual because we actually like hit the limit on the newsletter for Substack. But so first off, we have um, our URPD chart that that we like to we like to look at pretty often. Uh, this is basically just on-chain volume. Um, and so what you see here is that we have like four pretty distinct clusters. Um, the first is like kind of the, the pre-bull market cluster between like 3K and call it uh, 11K. We have one while we were consolidating, you know, in that little mini bear market, whatever you want to call it, uh, between May and, and mid-July. Um, and that, that cluster is between 30K and 40K, obviously. Um, we have the one we're currently in, which is between 44K, 50K. Um, and then lastly, we have a smaller cluster above us. This is kind of like the last um, zone of, of resistance, I would say, uh, between 53K and 60K. Um, and so we actually got rejected last week off of um, the, you know, the, the beginning portion of, of that upper cluster. And so on so this that's, right, that's kind of, on this right here, how should people think about these clusters? Like, what does that tell you when you look and identify them? One way to think about it is like, this is where um, Mark participants kind of built up their cost basis, right? So like, you'll see that the gray line, um, the gray bar, that just means like, that's where we are currently. Um, that, as you can see, like, that's the largest bar of volume since like, uh, like nine and a half K. Um, like all the way on the left-hand side of the chart. So that's just showing like there's a lot of capital inflows at these price levels. There are also a lot of capital inflows between 30 and 40K. Um, and so to me, this is showing, you know, you can kind of identify like support resistance areas where people bought in, right? Because, you know, when we come back and re when we retested, you know, the, the this uh, cluster on the right-hand side and we retested 53K uh, last week, you know, that, that's where a lot of people have bought in. So obviously there's going to be overhead supply. Uh, and this is like a, essentially like when you're mapping resistance levels, it's very similar to the premise for technical analysis, just saying like there's people that bought in here. So once price gets back up to that level, like natural market psychology says, people are going to take profits that held all the way down. They're like, okay, well, got it back up to my cost basis. I'm, I'm getting out of here. So um, I don't think it's like super surprising to see some, some you know, rejection off of that initial test of that. Um, but that's the way I think of it. It's just, this is kind of where capital inflows came in at different levels. Got it. And then what about supply shock ratios? It looks like we're continuing the same trend. Yeah. Just seeing real, just pretty much just continuation here. We're kind of started this next impulse, I guess you could call it. Um, as you'll see in the liquid supply shock ratio, um, this is essentially just tracking movement of coins from weak to strong hands. Uh, and this is defined as like entities based off of their spending behavior. Uh, and so liquid entities take in a lot of coins, don't move many out. Highly liquid and liquid entities are moving coins in and out all day long, right? So you're tracking the movement of coins from um, those those entities that are moving coins in and out all day to those um, strong hands or long-term investors, however you want to think about that. Um, this is also like the metric that, Pop, I remember back down in, in uh, you know, like <laughs> mid-May or early June when we were talking about this bullish divergence and people were calling us crazy. Uh, but this was like one of the main metrics that we kind of used to call the reversal down there. Um, and so, as you'll see, we had like two impulses, one kind of right above where it says June 28th, one above uh, July 26th. And then recently, we've just got this uh, third kind of impulse where we just um, moved up actually yesterday as well. But um, I'm watching to see if we get follow through. Um, I'm suspecting that that'll probably play out over the next couple of weeks. Um, but also, you're seeing um, an uptick in the red line. It, it looks like it's smaller. It's just because, to be honest, I put it on the wrong scale, but it's, it's of the same magnitude as, as the blue one. Um, this is tracking the movement of coins from the highly liquid entities. So these are the people that are like really in and out of the in and out of the market all day long, right? A lot of this is probably market makers. 
Um, and then the movement of, of coins from those entities to what I consider more of like the short-term investors, right? These are the people that are, um, that sell less than, uh, or sell more than 50% of the coins that they take in. Um, and highly liquid, by the way, is they, they sell over 75% of the coins they take in. Illiquid is less than 25%. Um, so you're seeing the movement of coins in this red line from those highly liquid entities to liquid. And then you want to see that translate into blue, right? So you want to see coins go from li highly liquid to liquid and then move into a liquid. And so you are starting to see um, what looks like some translation from um, the the red, you know, seeing that uptick. And so what that's just saying is that the coins are moving from liquid. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Jesus, from highly liquid to liquid uh, to illiquid. So that, that's a good sign. And then we have our purple line. Uh, this is the um, exchange supply shock ratio. So what you're looking at here is um, a lot of people get this misconstrued. This isn't the percentage of overall circulating supply on, that, you know, is, is exchange balances. This is subtracting um, exchange balances from circulating supply. So you're getting the amount of supply that aren't on exchanges, and then you're running a ratio of that to the amount of coins that are on exchanges. So essentially, similar to um, our liquid supply shock ratio, right, which is measuring weak to strong hands, here you're measuring the amount of coins that are available to be bought on exchanges to the amount of coins that you can't buy. Uh, and so like seeing this uptick is basically just uh, another way to look at the fact that coins are moving off exchanges. In the last week, we have 26,150 roughly, it's 148 if you want to be exact, of coins that moved off exchanges, totaling uh, roughly $1.25 billion at a 48,000 Bitcoin uh, price. So you're starting to see continued coins move off exchanges, coins are moving to these uh, you know, longer term investors, which is of course a good sign. Uh, and I mean, this, this has been pretty much up only since since kind of mid-May, right? So when you look at the whales, you take people who've got more than a thousand Bitcoin and you take out the exchanges, people that we know have the exchange wallets. Uh, it looks like the whales are going absolute bonkers and buying Bitcoin right now uh, and soaking up whatever they can buy. So if you look at this, if I, I know in the in the uh, chart I put in there that you, that you have up on the screen, it's kind of zoomed in. But if you go back to like mid-May, um, whales did a lot of the selling on the way down. Um, I think a lot of that, this is a whole side thing, but I think a lot of that had to do with like some arbitrage opportunities that closed because um, that kind of aligned with where we saw um, the number of whales and whales holdings drop off. But yeah, since like mid, late uh, July, you started to see whales, uh, you know, pretty aggressively buying. Um, and as you mentioned, like what we're looking at here is all the entities. Um, so this is forensically clustered addresses, which are what entities are. Um, and then you're filtering out, as you said, exchanges. And then also like Grayscale, the purpose uh, ETF, also QBTC, um, and so you're just basically getting the raw, uh, uh, you know, whale balance. And so what you see here is that um, since July 17th, which is uh, two months ago, whales have added 184,699 BTC, which is roughly 8.8 .8 billion dollars. Once again, using that that 48,000 uh, dollar Bitcoin as as the reference for that. When you look at the ASOL, it remind everyone what ASOL ends up actually being and, and how you look at this. And then what is this chart telling us? What we're looking at here is we're trying to track the age of the coins that are moving. And so there's a couple ways you can look at this. I just decided to throw an ASOL because I hadn't put that chart in the newsletter for a while. Um, but you want to kind of use all these metrics in tandem. So, um, for example, we have like our spend output age bands, uh, our spend volume age bands, coin days destroyed, dormancy, liveliness. And each of these different metrics have a different purpose. So, for example, like ASOL is just the average of all the spent um, outputs on a given day, but there's no weight given to it by volume. So, you know, if 
if you have what appears to be high spending from older coins, um, you, you need to also look at the volume of, of which they're selling, because if they're selling like 0.001 BTC, then you know, who cares, right? But if you're seeing the volume of, of um, and that's where you look at the spent volume age bands, um, and, and also you can look at like Coindace Destroyed, um, you can see the volume of um, older coins is perhaps increasing or decreasing. And then look at, is, is that in correlation with um, like the, the ASOL or your spent output age bands, which are literally just looking at the average uh, or uh, the average in case of ASOL, but also spent output age bands. You're just looking at the amount of spent outputs on a given day. So, you know, nuance, 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 yada, yada, yada. But it's just saying you need to use these different age related metrics in tandem um, but overall, the conclusion here is um, just the fact that long-term holders are sitting tight, right? We're seeing declining in, in, in the age of the coins that are being spent on each, you know, on, on every given day over the last, call it week or so. Uh, and so you see that in tandem across, you know, across the board and all these age-related spending metrics. Uh, and that's just the kind of point I was trying to get out here. So a lot of the spending is coming from these younger coins. When you look at the futures market, I know that there was uh, a bunch of futures and derivatives that played into some of the price movements previously. What are you seeing right now in the futures market? You know, on-chain is obviously like it tracks broader trends, right? And so for these kind of short-term price fluctuations, um, obviously you need to watch a like short-term price structure, uh, but also derivatives data. Um, and so last week we got a complete flush in the derivatives market. We had, you know, this massive, um, you know, uh, liquidation cascade. Um, since then, we started to see a recovery in funding and then also in, in futures open interest. Um, so futures open interest has recovered by roughly a billion dollars um, from the wipeout, but it's still $3 billion from where it was at before we had the sell-off last week. Uh, and then also funding is slightly recovered, but it's still pretty far from where we were at, um, you know, leading up to that, that cascade last week. So, you know, Keeping an eye on some of the on, on some of the stuff, like you can just watch basic, you know, just watch funding and futures, you know, open interest. And if you see like a large increase in both of those, um, you know, perhaps that's that's the time to to be a little more cautious in the short term, right? Um, but you know, the, I think like, and this this kind of goes into the next chart. The broader on chain structure, in my in my opinion, like when looking at these supply dynamics, when you have things like you know, supply that hasn't moved in at least a month, hitting, hitting an all-time high at 93% of supply hasn't moved in, you know, at least a month. You have long-term holders, supply hitting an all-time high. Uh, a lot of these things are, are just, in my opinion, undeniably bullish for the coming months. Uh, but perhaps, you know, on the on the shorter-term timeframes, you know, you can get these liquidation-driven moves um, because, you know, the liquidity in the futures market is massive. Um, so it has it has a large impact on, on pricing in the short term. When you think about um, the current state that we're in, I think over the last couple of weeks, we've really talked about this kind of uh, supply squeeze. It seems like about 90% of Bitcoin hasn't moved in the last 30 days or so. Only the uh, earliest, youngest coins are being sold. The whales are buying up as much Bitcoin as they possibly can. Is this just a recreation of a lot of the market dynamics from October of 2020, which then was followed by like a 500% move? Do you see a lot of similarities between those two things? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, I think like a lot of the metrics that like I'm looking at, they kind of resemble the end of like a, a, a bear market almost. Um, and so like my kind of like framework for the current, like where we are right now, is kind of that we're transitioning out of like the latter half of like a bear phase for the market. Um, but, you know, like zooming out, it kind of appears some things are, are you know, saying that we're kind of in like the middle of a bull market. So I guess the, the way I would frame it is that we just came out of a mini bear phase within a broader bull market structure. 
but a lot of the things when you're talking about the supply dynamics, as you just mentioned, are in fact like resembling kind of mid to late, um, you know, 2020. I like that. Joe, John, what questions you guys got? What's going on, Will? Appreciate you coming hey, man. on, man. I got a quick one about hash rates. So we saw it fell about 50 to 55% earlier this year uh, with everything going on. It's recovered uh, aggressively since then. We're probably about halfway back. So uh, maybe 20 to 30% uh, down from its all-time highs. But how do you think about Bitcoin's hash rate uh, in terms of future price? I guess the way I would think about it is just, um, you know, as, as more hash comes on the network, like minor profitability goes down, right? Like when hash first came off the network, like North American miners were super profitable because there was less competition for the same amount of uh, block reward, right? And so as hash has come back on the network, that profitability has not in a big way, but it's, it's started to get more constrained, right? As you start to see recover. Um, And so I would suspect like you're going to see some, some, uh, you know, like marginal selling from these miners, perhaps as, as they need to cover their cap capex but like at the same time you know now they have you know so much access to the capital markets they can just raise capital to, to you know uh cover their their operational costs so it's it's i don't know it's hard to say because part of me thinks they're gonna have to sell some of their btc and miners have been selling over the last call it two weeks because you know their profit uh, their profitability is getting a bit constrained as hash continues to come back in the network but at the same time we know like miners now can just borrow you know as much capital as they need uh, and they can tap into the capital markets that way. So I don't know, man, like it's, it's hard to say. I, 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 those are kind of like my two arguments though, for and against if it has a positive or negative effect. John. Yeah. Well, what's up? Thank you for doing this. We all know you're big time now. So, um, <laughs> so I have, uh, I have two questions. One, can you just talk about kind of the resistance that Bitcoin has? It, I read the other day that people were kind of calling the resistance at 46,000. Um, and then also, can you talk about, so from February to May of this year, it, apparently seemed that a lot of whales were kind of building short positions and distributing their long positions uh, to push out retail traders. Can you talk about that? And if we're seeing what we saw in February kind of now? Sure. So like, I think on a short-term basis, um, I kind of look at like um, these levels are created by a, a guy on uh, Twitter called Spaceman BTC. So shout out to him. Uh, but it's looking at like the weekly high, monthly high, daily open, uh, monthly open, uh, you know, these, these like shorter term key levels. Right. And so um, we've broken out above the the Mon- Monday's high and also the monthly open, uh, and then we come back down and now we're we're retesting uh, the monthly open. So um, if we can if we can move back off of uh, you know this retest of the monthly open right now, I'm kind of looking at uh, a move up towards the previous monthly high, which is around 50 55k, um, and we're also above the 200 day, which is another you know kind of like key level that I think a lot of like legacy finance is probably watching. But the key level from like a technical perspective for me is watching this point of breakdown, which we, we broke down out of in, in May. Uh, and so that's, you know, right around 40, 49 K call it. Uh, because for me, like th- that's important because you're, you're showing, you know, price, price, the market has now decided that it's moving above where it decisively moved, uh, you know, down into this mini bear phase in, in, uh, in, you know, like in mid uh, May. So if we can get back above, call it 50K, which is also just a psychological number, um, that would also mean we're getting above the previous monthly high and also the point of breakdown. Uh, and so if we can move back above that level, that, that would be a really strong sign for me. Um, but in the in the short term, like I'm watching this retest of the monthly open, see how we react. Uh, but I feel pretty confident here. Also, you know, obviously from on-chain perspective, 
Um, but, you know, seeing that we're now sitting above the 200 day and just broke above uh, Monday's high. And also, um, you know, we did break above the monthly open, but as I just said, we're now retesting it. Um, but yeah, what, what was the, what was the second question? That No, you're good. Um, does it look like, does this look similar to what we saw in February? So someone mentioned in the chat about how maybe some whales are building like shorter positions and distributing their long positions uh, to push out retail traders. I'm curious what you think about that. It's hard to say. Like one interesting thing I have been watching though is like Bitfinex. Like I watch sometimes like the heat maps of like the bids and asks. And it's interesting. Like it seems like the Bitfinex, the large Bitfinex buyers almost always get their, uh, their, their bids filled. Um, so that, that's been one interesting thing. And like, whenever their bids get filled, you also see like an uptick in on-chain, like, you know, the, the whales holdings as well. But it, I don't know. It's, it's hard to like say if they're, if they're like moving the market or not. Um, but I, I guess the only, the only thing I would say is just that seems like whales are kind of uh, getting their spots picked pretty well and they're, they are getting their bids filled. So I don't know. I, I think it's like hard to, it's hard to make that conclusion, but um, you know, I, I definitely don't think that, um, you know, it's anything against that argument that, that I've been seeing. Well, last uh, last question, we'll let you go. Prediction changing for uh, end of year? Or are we still uh, still on track for a big blow off uh, top here? No, pred- prediction hasn't changed. I don't know about blow off top, though. Um, but I, I think perhaps like this run stretches out into like Q1 of next year. But yeah, like I think the supply dynamics, though, from like a macro perspective, are setting up for a really strong next couple months. Um, obviously it, it depends on if we get some catalysts with, you know, some announcements or, you know, there's been a bunch of chatter about this supposed ETF announcement coming out, which I'm not an expert on any of that stuff. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but from just like the pure supply dynamics standpoint, I think, yeah, we're, we're setting up for, uh, uh an exciting next couple of months. Awesome, man. Don't have too much fun this weekend. We appreciate you. Thanks, man. You guys take it easy. Thanks, Bye, everybody. Bye guys.